This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Okay. Um, so we're holding here Peir Kof Beis, and this is where he presents his strong argument against Aristotle uh, as follows. So he's going to start with four axioms. Zera, um, everyone agrees when you have something that is in its lowest state, in its simplest state, you can't get anything but um, the same simple element come out of it. it um, and if something consists of components, you can have um, as many items come out of it as, as it's Murkov. So for instance, I don't know if you have a carrot and a carrot consists of um, the following elements, the following compounds. So you can break it down and you could have many, you could, you know, many different bits and pieces, but only whatever is there in the original. You can't take a simple element and make uh, other elements out of it. Um, the only reason why we can do it is because we've realized that elements are not the simplest state. But, but an electron, no matter what you do with an electron, it's not going to become something else. Um, fire has two qualities to it. Heat and dryness. So we can expect two functions out of fire. We can expect um, heat and we can expect dryness. So a table, because the table has a flat surface standing at a certain height, we expect to be able to use it for table thing, and it's made of wood, and we expect that it will have wooden properties. But all we're doing is simply breaking down a composite into simple elements. And Aristotle himself said the only thing a Kaddish Baruch Hu could have created is something that's Pashat, uh, uh, another Seichel Pashat, because from the Pashat, only Pashat comes out. So he's got that, uh, that Pashat. Xayr Shainis, a second axiom. Um, you can't, you don't have, um, whenever you have something as a cause for something else, it's not random, it's very specific. Um, so when you have a cause and a result, there's, there's an intrinsic uh, connection between the two. Um, it, it, you, it can't just be that something comes up just at random out of something else. Just like you can't convert quantity to quality to quantity to quality, you can't say since I have five cars, 
five, um, you know, uh, um, simple costs, five uh, cheap costs, they don't become one expensive car. So, so they don't spawn each other. Seriously, the third axiom. This is obviously the key axiom. When something is causing something else, not because it's latent in the first one, like when fire gives off heat or light, that type of cause is is ilave alul, and that type of cause is is the first two the first two axioms fit that perfectly. When a person does something, so I say, how come Ruvain does many many things, where, whereas a fire can either bake or burn or light, Ruvain can make a fire. He can pour water. He can, he can, he can, he can take snow and make a snowman. That's because Ruvain is functioning not in, in in cause and effect. He's functioning as um, a willing, um, intelligent intellect, and therefore he's not limited. As long as he can find stuff, he can do whatever he wants. Seiravius keklala murka mitzom is chal for shchenim yeserayba kavim nakal murka mitzom is chal for kavas amiskas. He says, you have things that are very similar to each other. Let's give an example. If I have many, many um, uh, flakes of oat flakes and I cook them, they will become a very integrated item. I can put sugar and salt in. It's a little bit less integrated, but it's still integrated. If I put a spoon into my oatmeal, it, it it doesn't really integrate. It it's it acts together, but it doesn't integrate. So when you have the flesh, my flesh is very well integrated because it's fairly homogeneous. But a hand or a foot has bones and veins and arteries and nerves. So so this is a a um, it's integrated. But it doesn't become one in the way that things that are very, very similar to each other become. So these axioms are very, very simple. They, they, they make a lot of sense. They are what they are. Um, so yeah, having said all this, I will say as follows. Now let's let's just stop a minute. Let's let's just say what Aristotle's chachma was. Aristotle said the the primary being the the the, the first cause is pashut. Okay, he made one item which is pashut, and that's the seichel rishin, and the seichel rishin is a Pashta element, and that made another Seichel. Now, as each Seichel gets produced, in a certain sense, it becomes Murkov, because it perceives itself and perceives the other elements that came before it. So it's Murkov in a certain conceptual sense. It no longer is the purity of a prime being, but rather it includes in its uh, cognizance 
other items as well, and that's the beginning of uh, of hardcover. That's basically the the, the the Aristotle's point. That's that's his trick. How does that happen? I'm I'm willing to admit to what he said. So there is a certain elder cover conceptual element. And even admitting of that, so, okay, so we have this cholom, and this cholom are murkav in a very conceptual way. But what does that have to do with chaymer? How does that become material? You know, as we said before, that there has to be some relationship between the primary entity and the, and the effect. How does from a concept become a, 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 a piece of material? It, no matter how complex, it's complex concepts. It's not material. So, okay, let's say the, the element of more covers we've covered, let's admit. So whatever it is, the first galgal that came into being, Hagalgal has two chamer and two tsuris. So every galgal really consists of two items. It consists of the galgal, which is sort of the, the wheel, whether it's, a, you know, however we understand it, plus the planet. So we see a planet circulating. We see the sun or planet circulating on a, on a, on a wheel and something around it. So, so it came out. Immediately, that you needed to have, you can't have a galgal without a bechka without a galgal. So, and, and each one of us made a different material and has a different surety. How come from this one entity, this one seichel, have two different materials? And that's if all the stars are the same material, which I don't think so is either. The, the, the stars come in very different um, lights, and some are very, very bright, some are dark. Um, so, so to say the middle of, of the same material, who says? Besides which, so we have the different materials as made plus every physical entity. Um, so all of these 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 phenomena, phenomenon of 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 the different items on have no shaykhs with the sherish. And there's absolutely no relationship. In Aristotle tried to say that as something moves further away, um, it changes because of the distance. Aristotle tried to identify the differences in in uh, in uh, the the, the 
due to their distances. So, so, so the difference in their in their in what they consist of and so on, but it doesn't follow in any rhyme or reason. The speed changes not by how far it is. The the, the brightness changes how far it is. There does not seem to be any correlation in the differences between the um, the the, the, the um, characteristics of these bodies and the distance. Um, there's another thing if we if we if we examine there's another problem if we examine the galgal if if it's all made of one type of material it should be copied to the next goggle and the next goggle. Because physically, that's what happens. Whenever you have anything, if I have stone or clay, it, it, it you know, it, no matter how many times I cut it, it stays the same. And why should different things have different surahs if the chaim is one and the same? It must be that each one is a different chaymich galgal. And therefore, um, the way it goes and its orbits and so on, it's, it, it is, has nothing to do with whatsoever with where it's coming from and so on. If the stars are all one type of material, um, so what gives me the distinction? Why is this one star? This is another star. In Mitsuras or Mikrim, so in other words, um, all of these. All of these materials should have been copied exactly from one to the other. Um, in other words, if 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 a if a material came back from so it's one material, and if this material would then got the other star, again you should have only one material. There shouldn't, there's no place where he's explaining how different materials came into being. So he, he's got his little um, thing about the different him being further and, you know, and so on and so forth. That explains some differences. But then when it comes to the junction between, between the when it comes to sitting down to the to matter, then the matter should stay the same no matter what. And it should, and and if it's the same matter, it should have the same effect, the same results. Now he adds a parenthetical remark that even though I'm speaking about the kachov mazals as if they're, I doesn't mean, and when I talk about the chaymagalgam, I don't really mean physical matter, the way um, physical matter is, because because the Raman holds that it's not the same material. But omnam zeshit of but but it's it, what I'm what I'm using is the common idea. Whatever it is, whatever its material is, 
Each, what I mean to say is each one of these has properties that are unique and different than the other ones. The imkin b'mazen nafli shtatfus b'kilas galgalim b'siva mizbechavim. So, what is the, the this common denominator that that all of them come from one that all of them seem to go in the same orbit, the same circle, same cycle? So, so there's there's a um, there's uh, what's the right word for it? There's a conundrum. On the one hand, all of it seems to be focused on a central point. On the other hand, each one of these is independent material. It's its own thing, and it's and it's uh, not you know it's different brightnesses of varying speeds and so on. So he says. Um, so there's nothing, nothing in Derech Achachma explains it. Um, mm-hmm. So if we come back, what is one second? Yeah. Um, so he says, if the, so the, if we go back to axiom three, basically none of these caches are caches. In other words, if we're looking to explain the the differences and everything like it by by natural law it fails what we can say is there is there is a, a creator who creates by will and by rotson and and therefore it it has all of all of these you know he can do whatever he wants um now he says uh that the he adds obviously we we won't understand it um, either in the sense of why did he make something like this or something like that, all that. It's not as if we can understand what is just by saying um, there's a creator and, and who, who wanted it and so on and so forth. But, but, but we, don't have, we don't have these contradictions. In other words, as, as an explanation, Aristotle's explanations um, don't work. They, they don't make any sense if you're trying to make sense out of it in a simple cause and effect. So, so, um, if all of this is something which comes about as uh, a this has to be a result of this. As for this, we have this problem. It's 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 an understanding that does not describe the mitzvahs. Doesn't have a reason or cause. And there is many and and there are many many problems with it. So he says, besides the problem of not understanding. Um, of it, it can't work that way. Is it there's, there's another another problem with it is um, that how does Aristotle now describe Akadosh Baruch Hu's role? 
Aristotle does define Akash Baruch as a primary cause. He defines it as a cause that works mechanically, things that have to be and not things that he wants. So in a certain sense, he's going to say he locks up Akash Baruch in jail and doesn't let him do anything. He admits, and as does everyone, that that the the divine is perfect, and so on. And he's someone who does not do or create or do anything. If he wanted to make the wings of a of, of a fly longer or cut the foot of a, a bug, in other words, Aristotle does not allow for the divine will anything to do. So in a certain sense, he's saying that he's a glorified rock. To say that Akadosh Baruch is perfect on the one hand, which is what's mandated, um, on the other hand, to say that Akadosh Baruch Hu doesn't do anything, which means in effect that he cannot do anything. Um, and he's most he's the least perfect being. Aristotle said it's because Akashpahu has no interest in doing it. And he doesn't want anything changed. So he says um that that Aristotle is tries to say that a who doesn't want anything and it's some sort of chisarin um, that he would actually want something it means things are less than perfect but it's uh, it, it's um, it doesn't it, it doesn't buy it and said in general rule I want to tell you I know that there are people who are um, uh, very, very gung-ho Aristotians feel that I, you know, I'm lacking in understanding or I'm distorting what he says. This won't stop me from saying what I understand. So let me tell you my... Um, the way I describe Aristotle. Anything that Aristotle says about from the moon down to us, down to the center of the earth, is 100% right. The only people that will disagree are people who um, don't understand what he says or have pre, um, you know, prejudiced views. Um, so in other words, you're, you're basically denying things that are visible and in front of you. But anything that Aristotle speaks about from the Galgarech on, on higher, who could it is a machshav and a svara, elvat ksasvarim. Kol shekem mashemir b'seid ascholim ksas eladezayikus ashemine. Now, this is very interesting. I, I, I want to apply it a minute. Um, 
to, to something actually current. So, um, you know, Arist Aristotle's understanding and description of the world is not something that grips us today, but science, um, science is extraordinarily good and accurate at describing what's in front of us. Um, so, so when we ask ourselves, um, what, what is the role of science? The answer is whatever is here and now in front of us, that's science. And that's, and that's, uh, you know, usually it's, they get it right. But when you're talking about anything beyond the pale of what's here now measurable, uh, it, really provable in any real fundamental way, it's a guess. And it's very important to distinguish between those two, those two types of statements. So Aristotle, in, in Aristotle's days, science and philosophy was one department. Aristotle wrote a lot on science and philosophy was, you know, was part and parcel of it. So he says that, the, that when Aristotle deals with physical realities that are in front of us, um, every word that he says is right because, because he knows what he's talking about. When he speaks about things beyond, above, before, he's guessing. And he says, so he says um, the 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 um, he a lot of the stuff that he took comes from all sorts of um, pre philosophical mythology stuff like that and don't now you're going to say you didn't you, you you created a lot of issues with what he said, but issues do not disprove something. They're not really proofs against it. They're just they're just you're raising a lot of logical issues, so you haven't presented proof against it. Ms. This is what I'm using is the approach of later Aristotelians that made the following. Anything that can be proven, how do you how do you get to the emes? You look at the two extremes, at the two sides, and you ask yourself what are some of the results of following each one of those two. So when I have a question of A or B and I don't have proof, what I do is I weigh and see which of the two sides is more problematic. And what you do is you try to go with the side that has less fakes. This is true about all theological things that Aristotle doesn't have proofs. The reason why we go with Aristotle is because it is less problematic in other ways. So he said that's exactly the approach I used. And 
There are no clear proofs. I've shown you the weaknesses of each side. And I've, I've shown you that Kadmus is a much weaker position. Especially, this is taught by the fact that Avram Vina and are the ones who gave us Kadmus. So then he's also going to explain in the next prokim that, that when I weigh the spakers, I don't only weigh, I don't just number them and say this has two spakers or three spakers, whatever it is, I, I look at the, at the um, depth of, of the problems. And, and the side, it's, it's, a, um, it's, it's not a numerical weighing of spakers, it's a lot more where, where, the, where do the flaws seem to be a lot more fundamental. Okay, I said Hashem. I hope within uh, I, I, um, with two in in two weeks, Mr. Hashem, we'll be back. Mr. Hashem is back. Hopefully, we'll, we'll be back in the normal matzah. Okay, good good Shabbos.